Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. Today we're covering Game 3 of the 1977 World Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees. This is is going to be the first of three games at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, Chavez Ravine, out in the sunshine and palm trees and the beautiful weather out there in California, flying out west. The series is tied at one game apiece. The Yankees had a walk-off victory in game one with Paul Blair getting a hit off of Rick Roden to bring in Willie Randolph. And then behind a Burt Hooten masterclass and four home runs, the Dodgers took game two, six to one, an absolute drubbing of Catfish Hunter and the Yankees. And suffice it to say, all is not well in the Bronx and in the Yankees clubhouse. Much has been covered about this team uh, throughout the media and throughout many different many different entities. Uh, we're going to mainly focus on the baseball here, um, but we'll have plenty to say about what's going on. And mainly, you know, the Dodgers are in good spirits coming home. Uh, they feel like they've got a real shot. They feel like, you know, they feel like they should have won game one. They crushed them in game two and they're going to have Tommy John going today, who was their best pitcher in the regular season, won 20 games, the real crafty guy. And, you know, they're confident that they're the better team, that they're the team that's the best in baseball that's going to have it all figured out. And really, they're not worried at all. Like, basically, when you're looking at the dugout, when you're looking at pregame, the Dodgers are loose, right? They're having fun. Tommy Lasorda's joking. We, we, we even have some of the audio from that and, and some of the sort of pregame stuff, actually from like a CBS News segment, which we'll get to in a bit. But for, you know... For the Yankees, things aren't well, right? Like, the crowd was restless. The Bronx is restless. New York, I mean, 70s New York, much has been said about it. Some of it over-exaggerated, but some of it accurate. That there was unrest, and there were there was danger, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And we'll touch on all of that, the sort of the narratives heading into this Game 3, after a word from our sponsor. How do you handle a hungry man, the man handlers? You've been outside, wearing a flannel shirt. Maybe you've been digging a post hole, raking leaves, or shoveling snow. You've worked up a man-sized appetite, and Campbell knows what will satisfy you. A can of soup. How do you handle a hungry man? Man handlers. That's right. Those hands wielding an axe handle, cutting through timber, desire nothing more than grabbing a little spoon and cutting into a bowl of soup. Beef chili, Scotch broth, cream of potato, and beef with barley. Rich, hearty soups with grains of barley and chopped up veggies. How do you handle a hungry man? 
a man handlers. Campbell's knows a man when we see him, and we know the way to satisfy him is a can of soup. That's all you're going to get, fella. That's all you're going to need. Now get back out there. Finish that raking or shoveling or post hole digging. Go on now. You've had your soup. How do you handle a hungry man? The man handlers. The unrest in the Bronx, and specifically within the Yankees clubhouse, um, is something that has been covered in many different types of media. You think about the HBO's Bronx is Burning with uh, Oliver Platt uh, playing George Steinbrenner. It's a great, very entertaining uh, show. But, you know, there's been plenty of books. Reggie touches on it in his own documentary. Um, and, you know, it's been well examined. Um, kind of all of the, the tension that existed in this clubhouse, right? This was not a team that really got along. Um, some of that is you have a guy like Reggie Jackson. I mean, we think about when we covered the 1973 World Series and when you talk about those A's teams, again, with a feuding owner and feuds within the players, right? Reggie Jackson at the center of that with Charlie O'Finley. Um and issues that happened there, right? And that team was just so talented that they won. You know, there's sometimes a, 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 you know, as a team, you don't have to love each other. You don't have to be a family, right? And in fact, many families aren't all lovey-dovey all the time. Sometimes they get into fights. And sometimes the sometimes that can lead to a winning environment. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a requirement for it. Um, I mean, look at these Dodgers, right? They were a winning team. And although they certainly had a firebrand as a manager in Tommy Lasorda, and we'll see throughout this series and throughout, you know, it being dictated of he chewed people out. It wasn't as if every everything was all hunky-dory and, uh, and belief, but there was certainly a looseness in that clubhouse as opposed to the Yankees where things are getting played out in the media. Um, and, you know, of course, it's the difference between L.A. and New York. New York's got a little bit more of an edge. L.A.'s a little bit more laid back. Um, different kind of lifestyles, different ideas, you know. Much of much has been written about this and discussed about this. Um, but ultimately, what this series provides for us is some really, really darn good baseball with some great, great storylines on the side and here to kind of talk about the stories heading into this. We're going to have a lead in from one of the most famous newsmen and TV television anchors ever, Walter Cronkite, CBS, and a very well-known CBS reporter, Terry Drinkwater, previewing this series as it heads to Los Angeles and the moods, the difference in moods between these two teams. The third game of the World Series tonight in Los Angeles finds the Yankees and the Dodgers tied up with one win apiece, a controversy underway over the behavior of New York baseball fans and the Yankees bickering among themselves. Terry Drinkwater reports. It's certainly not Flatbush. In fact, for 20 years now, they've been the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
The California weather has been good to them. Only four games rained out here ever. This evening, 70 degrees forecast. And the fans have been good to them, too, setting attendance and profit records. And, for the most part, being courteous. Seldom a smoke bomb, beer can, or bottle, or a rowdy intrusion onto the field, as in Game 2 this year in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. Before tonight's game, the Dodgers seemed relaxed, glad to be home where it's relatively safe and more or less philosophical about the antics of New York fans. It ceases to be a game to them. Uh, it's like the old Roman gladiator days. I guess that's the day they're looking for blood. Maybe they're frustrated with the city, with their lifestyle or what have you. And consequently, they come out and they think they're going to take it to frustrate so on the ball player. It happens all over the country, in every ballpark in the country. So you just can't fault the fans of one city for a couple can of people. It, can it affect the outcome of the series like this? I don't think so. I don't oh, think the fans are going to play that big a part in uh, making the outcome of this uh, series go one way or another. The fans might not. But the question is, will the players... It appeared some of the Yankees' minds weren't on tonight's game when they came to town. Reggie Jackson was still feuding with manager Billy Martin over who should have pitched in the last game when the Yankees lost 6-1. to one. And all the Yankees seemed to be uptight, fighting as usual, with owner George Steinbrenner, this time over tickets, whose family to sit where for tonight's game. But for Dodger manager Tommy Lasorta, such problems were too Byzantine. Not for him, the worries of tickets and malcontented players. His main concern at batting practice, a modest bet with outfielder Dusty Baker. That's a steak dinner, Dusty! I didn't know pitchers could hit. The last time Los Angeles met the New York Yankees 14 years ago, the Dodgers won the series here. They're meeting tonight, all tied up one game each. There's quiet confidence here. Of late, Los Angeles has bettered New York. After all, this city took the Olympics, and the odds makers give the Dodgers the edge on taking the series as well. Terry Drinkwater, CBS News, Los Angeles. There was a lot going on in the Yankees clubhouse, and one of the other things actually going on was that Thurman Munson, the Yankees captain, the sort of the supposed leader of the team, basically gave an interview before this game we're essentially saying he wants to go home. Like it's been a grueling season, and despite you know the success they've had, that he wants to go home to Ohio. Like it's they're not happy. Like it, compare that with the Dodgers, who look like they're having a ball and having a great time. The Yankees, it seems like nothing can keep them together. But ultimately, right, as for teams that figure it out, teams that are so talented, and these Yankees, don't get it twisted. They are elite. They are really, really good. They just need to focus on the baseball. And sometimes, like it did for the A's earlier this decade, that oftentimes is what gets you through these types of things. And what can help is... Having a steady presence on the mound, someone who's going to take the ball, give you a chance to win, focus it in, and also just approach everything with a really, really good attitude. And that guy taking the ball today for the Yankees is Mike Torres. Mike Torres, from Kansas, part of Mexican immigrant families, his father born to Juan Torres, who was a railroad worker, 
and his mom, Mary Martinez, um, whose family was agriculture, sugar beet farming and all of that, you know, grew up actually, many of the acti activities were segregated in Kansas. So he played in Mexican baseball leagues and Mexican sport leagues. In fact, his school, Topeka High, didn't have a baseball team. He played American Legion. So think about a guy who played American Legion. That's how he got on the eyes of scouts, right? It wasn't his high school ball. It wasn't all of these other things. It was because they had sort of a Mexican baseball league in Kansas. And he ended up signing with the Cardinals, was actually on the 1967 Cardinals, but was never able to break through with those great rotations. Because, of course, you had the likes of Bob Gibson, Steve Carlton, Nelson Bryles, uh, not to mention others, right? Or e even, even some years of Scipio Spinks in there or something like that. So, right, Torres, like he had success at double A and triple A, but eventually gets traded to Montreal. And that's where he really sort of establishes himself as a really, really darn good pitcher. Um, and, you know, is a guy who ends up picking, picking up double digit wins, goes 16 and 12 and 72, sort of his breakout year in many ways with a 333 ERA, 243 innings. A couple years later goes 15 and 8 with a 357 and then he's part of the he gets traded to Baltimore along with Ken Singleton in one of the worst ever trades the Expos have ever made. Uh traded for Dave McNally who was on his last legs. Singleton goes on to be a great player uh for the uh for the Orioles and Mike Torres goes on to win 20 games in 1975 with a 3.06 ERA. And he really felt like he had found himself was on a good competitive team with the Orioles. And then he gets traded again, this time for Reggie Jackson and Ken Holtzman. He and Don Baylor go over to Oakland and he then has one of follows it up with another great year going 16 and 12 with a 2.50 ERA. And then an interesting story of, you know, he was expecting Charlie O'Finley to cut his pay as Charlie O'Finley was, you know, basically strapping away the team. They almost made the playoffs in 76, by the way. But uh, I think he sent him the wrong contract. It was about 20000 more than he was expecting. And so he and his agent immediately signed it. And uh, Finley tried to bribe him with chili. Uh, to sort of renege on the contract, but that didn't work. And Torres knew his days were numbered in Oakland. And at the beginning of the season, he gets traded away to the Yankees. And he initially uh, initially has some success, but then struggles. You know, at one point his record was 5-1, and one, but then sort of in the middle of the year, as the Yankees were kind of scuffling along into July, you know, he was 8-10. and 10. He finished 17-13 and 13 on the year. His final 15 starts down the stretch as the Yankees get hot. He was their best pitcher. 10 complete games, 9-3 and three record, like a 2-3 ERA over 100-plus innings in those 15 starts. I mean, just dominant for Mike Torres. Really, he and Guidry emerged as the top two pitchers for this team in many ways. Um, and... Brief note, you know, he would go on. He's on the verge of free agency. It's even talked about in this game that he's thinking about going to Boston. He goes there, signs a big contract. That's where he has his most famous moment uh, in his history. 
Later in his career, he would go on to pitch for the Mets. He would struggle with them, you know, but he was seen as that veteran presence and guys like Ron Darling, Doc Gooden, um, and, you know, Bobby Ojeda and, and lots and Sid Fernandez really credit him, right. With being that veteran presence, teaching you how to be a professional at the big league level of going out there and taking the ball. They really credit Mike Torres. Um, and that's the thing about him, man, right. Mike Torres was not a great pitcher. He had some great years, but you know, he was basically a league average pitcher, but he took the ball, right. Making over 30 plus starts a bunch of years, winning double digit games for seven different franchises, something that very few pitchers have ever done. Right. And also pitching over 200 innings for six different franchises. And tonight, this is really going to be the highlight of his career. This game right here. Here's Tom Seaver talking about what Torres brings to the table and what he's going to need to do to be successful against this potent Dodgers lineup. And on the mound for the New York Yankees tonight, Mike Torres. And some comments on Mike Torres from Tom Seaver. Well, you're Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, Mike's a secret spider pitcher. Of course, pitching in the National League with several ball clubs. Montreal. He, uh, he's got to have good control to win. He can't be powerful inside at times, Keith. Good hard fastball, sinking fastball inside, but he's got a good slider. Keep the ball down, keep the ball away from his right-hand hitters. He's going to have to keep away from the... Dodgers big three of Say, Garvey, and Russell. Say, Garvey, and, uh, excuse me, Baker. He was brilliant in that uh, fifth game. He was outstanding. He's the reason that the Yankees won. He was uh, outstanding against Kansas City. Five and a third, three hits and no run. Struck out four and walked three. So let's get into this game three at Dodger Stadium. Tommy John on the mound for the Dodgers against the Yankees, a team he would later pitch for, by the way. And, you know, lineup's pretty much the same, of course, uh, for both of these teams. The main thing, right, that's kind of on the mind for the Yankees is the fact that the top of their order, Randolph did a lot in game, in game one. But Mickey Rivers has sort of been absent. And he was so instrumental throughout the entire season, right? Hit over 300, was great against the Royals, instrumental in that five-game victory, right? And so immediately, right, when facing a guy like Tommy John, you don't want him to get into a groove because he's the type of guy where the stuff isn't amazing. He's not going to wow you, but he's just going to keep coming at you. And so you want to make sure you get him early before he settles down. That's kind of oftentimes sort seen as the key when facing him. And Mickey Rivers immediately gets to work to start this game. Pulls his hands inside on an inside fastball, sort of muscles one over the first baseman's head and Given the fact that this ball checks up, right, and Reggie Smith has a long way to go, Mickey Rivers uses his speed, gets into second base, immediately getting a runner in scoring position. And this is key, right? This has been a theme so far in the first three three games of this series. The starting pitchers in the, in the top of the first have been unable to get out to, to squeak by without some damage. 
and usually a crooked number in there, at least two runs in all in the first two games. And it's going to be that way in game three. Willie Randolph moves him over a perfect, perfect setup to set up man on third, nobody out for the captain. Thurman Munson, the guy who we talked about, right? Not wanting to be here, kind of wanting to go home. But even if you were to if you were to really press him on this, he would answer honestly and saying, well, yeah, I want to go home a winner, right? That'll make me happier. Uh, I'll probably be more miserable. Uh, you know, I might carry the misery home with me if we lose. So why don't I do something about it? And ultimately, right, the Yankees, even though Greg Nettles had more runs driven in and so did Reggie Jackson, there was no one they trusted more with runners in scoring position than their captain, Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson stands three for eight with one run batted in in the World Series so far and involved in the latest thunder and lightning out of the Yankee camp. <laughs> Rivers so quick at third. Fly ball can get him home, obviously a base hit can. Munson takes it, just misses, ball one. The captain of the Yankees had an even 100 runs batted in this year. He had 18 home runs. He hits it down the right field line. It's a fair ball. It's going to the corner. Mickey Rivers walks home. Thurman Munson digging for second. The throw by Smith. And he's in there. It's a double for Munson. And so the New York Yankees get on the board early as Rivers singles down the right field line. And then Thurman Munson doubles into the corner. We talked about it earlier, Keith. You know, in New York, their first couple of games, there's the guy's a different type of hitter, much more aggressive hitter with a man at second base, a man at third base. That's his, you know, that's where he makes his money. Man at third base and one out. He knows all he needs is a sacrifice fly. Five ball is going to get him a run. He can do the job. We, of course, have our ABC broadcast here with Keith Jackson on the play-by-play and Howard Cosell and Tom Seaver doing color commentary. What's so impressive about Thurman Munson, and also in many ways what you would consider to be his counterpart on the Dodgers, sort of the linchpin captain, former MVP, Captain America in some sort, Steve Garvey. They're both so good about going the other way with authority, not just having the ability to hit the ball the other way, but to to barrel it up. Like They're both guys who are comfortable confident enough right if you make a mistake inside yeah they can turn on it and park it into the seats but their approach is up the middle their approach is to the right center field gap or down the right field line and hitting it with authority there trusting your hands we we saw what frankly kind of both of them can do if you make a mistake inside right we've seen Thurman Munson turn on balls hitting doubles we saw Steve Garvey park put one in the seats off of Sparky Lyle in game two. And so great hitting there from Thurman Munson staying on that ball, hitting it down the line. And, you know, like Garvey, really good athletes for their position. Thurman Munson, an an above average runner, flat out, and especially for a catcher. Same thing could be said about Garvey and first baseman. And so now that sets up Reggie Jackson, who has struggled so far in pretty much before the game, 
we're going to hear them say, Billy Martin sent a pretty clear message to Reggie Jackson, and he's shown he's been unafraid to bench him throughout the season and even in these playoffs. And so Reggie knows he needs to come through in a big situation. And Mr. October, as we will soon come to know him as, he knows how to deliver. Martin was quoted yesterday as saying Jackson better get two hits tomorrow. At the press conference, somebody asked Paul, what if he doesn't get to? Jackson hits it to left field. It'll drop for a base hit. Munson coming around third. Dusty Baker overruns the ball in left field. And Reggie Jackson goes standing at second base. And the Yankees made it two to nothing. He already has one of the two. Reggie punched his ball to left field. Kind of inside out it, hit behind the ball again, like a slider and just punched it into left field. Dusty, trying to make a play at the plate, I think, overran the ball and really didn't have much of a chance. And in air, Reggie went right into second base. So you have two doubles. You have a single and an error on Dusty Baker in left field. You have two runs home, one out. Reggie Jackson in scoring position for Lou Pinella. You couldn't have scripted a better start for these Yankees here in the first inning, immediately getting their offense going and the big guys coming through with Munson and Jackson with RBI base hits. And of course, Jackson's now moved himself into scoring position because of the error by Dusty Baker, Baker being way, way, way too aggressive. It's the, it's the fault you see many outfielders do of, Oh, I've got to come up, make a big play. And they forget to do the most important thing, which is stop the ball, right? You got to feel the ball first before you can do anything. You can't throw a guy out at home plate if you don't feel the ball. And given how we talked about Munson actually having really good speed for a catcher, right? He's probably scoring on that play regardless. And now you've set up a situation where if there's another base hit here, the Dodgers could be down 3 nothing just in the first inning. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Lou Pinella at the plate. Ball is hit on the ground up the middle. It's through there for a base hit. Jackson will turn and hit for home. Monday picks it up and lobs it back in. And Jackson gives the Yankees a 3-0 lead. So if the controversy was to impair their play... Certainly hasn't shown that way so far. It has clearly spurred them. And Bill White's remarks in the pregame show were precisely to that effect. Let's look at the base hit again. Slider right up the middle. Reggie, of course, on second looking back at the ball. And you know who was the first guy to greet Reggie when he got to the dugout? I followed him in over there. Billy Martin. From the middle of the Yankees lineup, you're seeing a really good up-the-middle, opposite-field approach there from Munson, Jackson, and then Pinella with that base hit up the middle. And that's what you have to do against someone like a Tommy John who, right, he uses a lot of deception, a lot of change-ups and sliders. He wants you to try to pull the ball off of him. you got to stay back and be patient against someone like Tommy John and an absolute clinic here from the Yankees hitters to start this game. Now, 
Tommy John responds. He makes sure no more, no more damage here. Strikes out Chris Chambliss. Gets Greg Nettles to ground out. Nice play by Davey Lopes uh, to end the threat there. And in the bottom of the first, Mike Torres gets to work, and he runs into a little trouble of his own. Uh, although he gets ahead of Davey, Davey Lopes 0-2 to start this game, he's not able to put him away and ends up walking him. Lopes immediately steals on the first pitch, putting himself in scoring position, but Torres responds, striking out Bill Russell, looking, getting him on a slider. Torres gets Reggie Smith to ground out to third, but, you know, it's sort of a, a chopping ball. A nice play by Greg Nettles, but Lopes is able to move up to third base. Ron Say draws a walk, and that brings up Steve Garvey, right? And so, you know, it's like this in the first inning. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with a shutdown inning, or are you going to let them get a run back or two runs back? Well, against Steve Garvey, who's one of the better hitters, Mike Torres, is going to be able to get out of trouble. One can almost hear the late Frank Press saying, oh, those faces on ball. Garvey in the first inning represents the tying run. His most consistent hitter. And Torres has made trouble for himself. Garvey, three for eight in two games. Former defensive back for Michigan State. Swings, the ball bounced over the pitcher's head, Randolph at second, and the Dodgers are gone without answering back to the Yankees. Lopes gets aboard, they get him to third, but can't count him. And after one inning of play, the Yankees lead it, three to nothing. That's a huge shutdown inning there for Mike Torres. After you get three in the first, and then you walk two, if you can keep them off the boards. That is a key, key thing. And as Tom Seaver mentioned, command is going to be the most important thing for Mike Torres, a guy who can struggle with command and have big blow-up starts. But when he's on, he can be on. And such a key moment there, right? Get Garvey, ground out, no harm, no foul. Get your team back in the dugout. Tommy John, to his credit, is able to figure it out a little bit. Um, you know, he does allow a two-out double to Mickey Rivers, who looks like a completely new man uh, after really scuffling the first two games of this series. Willie Randolph draws a walk, but Thurman Munson, this time with runners in score, scoring position, is no match for Tommy John, who strikes him out on three pitches. And once again for Mike Torres in the second inning, He's going to have to labor through this inning. Dusty Baker gets an 0-2 hit to lead off the inning. Rick Monday strikes out, but it takes six pitcher, pick, pitches. It's a full count. Steve Yeager then doubles to right, kind of a bloop hit. Uh, and because it hangs up in the air, Dusty Baker's not able to come around to score, but it's second and third and one out. Fortunately for the Dodgers, it's the pitcher, Tommy John, at the plate, and Mike Torres makes quick work of him. Three-pitch see ya. And then Davey Lopes battles for seven pitches, a great at-bat. But he's going to put the ball in play, and with his speed, right, he's going to put the ball in, the, in a very, very tough play. But the Yankees, they've got a great defensive first baseman of their own 
and his name is Chris Shambliss, and he's going to make a heck of a play to keep two runs off the board. Mike is perspiring. Freeland. Outside of Gidry, it might be the healthiest of all the Yankee pitchers right now. Both takes it on the right side. Shambliss makes a good play on it. Good play. Good Torres play. Covers it. Good oh. play all around. Beautiful coverage by Tar. Yankees turn the Dodgers away and continue to lead after two innings of play, three to nothing. That's such a great play by Chris Shambliss. The anticipation, the decisiveness. Go over, get it, right? Range over even with the speedy lopes at the plate, right? Don't wait for the second baseman to call you off. Go and get it. Deliver the throw to Torres on the run, trusting him to get there. And a great job by Torres to go catch the ball and find the bag, preventing two runs from scoring. Really, really good. But the only thing you can criticize Torres early on here is that he's had to labor, right? You heard him, you heard Howard say that he's sweating up there on the mound. He's probably had to go to about 40 pitches through the first two innings. And we're going to kind of see that come up to bite him here third time through the order. In the top of the third, Able to get through in three batters for Tommy John, though he doesn't retire the side in order. He does hit Lou Pinella with one out, but Chris Shambliss grounds into a double play. A very nice uh, 3-6-3 double play turned by Steve Garvey. And we have two really good defensive first basemen in this series. In the bottom of the third, Torres once again gets into trouble. With one out, Reggie Smith rips one into right field, kind of gets a sinker that hangs up in the zone. Ron Say crushes a ball to center field, but it's run down in the gap by Mickey Rivers, who's got great speed. Steve Garvey smokes a ball up the middle, nearly takes off Mike Torres' head, and it just gets by Willie Randolph to set up first and third with, with two outs for Dusty Baker. And this is, ends up being a great at-bat, gets to a 3-2 count. And Dusty Baker, who was the star, the, the first ever NLCS MVP. Well, he continues his great postseason hitting when he gets a mistake in a full count from Mike Torres. You've got a full count on Dusty Baker with Reggie Smith at third, Steve Garvey at first. Rick Mundy waiting. Harvey goes. Oh, goodbye, goodbye. Way back, baby. Oh, damn, Dusty Baker, the hero of the playoff games against Philadelphia for the grand slammer and a second homer. Let's look at it again, Tom. Look at where that pitch is. That was not a pitcher's pitch, right in the middle of the plate. I've given up enough of those. That ball jumped off the bat. Watch Reggie Smith. Reggie knows, too. He knows that ball's gone. You play in a park long enough, 
You just know when the hitter hits the ball, when it's going to be out of the park. It's not over the fence yet. Wait a minute. He's looking for the plate. Looking for the plate. There it is. He knew it was gone as soon as he hit it. We're all even at three as Mike Torres is stung by Dusty Baker for a three-run homer and Rick Mundy is at the plate with two out. Tom Seaver taking a little bit of uh, Howard Cosell's thunder there, usually screaming over Keith Jackson. If there's any criticism I have of the ABC broadcast, it is that they don't let Keith Jackson call uh, the moment sometimes. Howard and whether it's Tom Seaver or if it's Reggie Jackson, whenever he's been on the call, sometimes they uh, like to interject at times. Uh, And part of that is because Keith Jackson is very calm and doesn't really throw too much emotion in there. Whereas Howard loves to get the feel of the moment. And now you see Tom Seaver trying to do it as well. Um, But what a moment there for Dusty Baker and a pitch Mike Torres did not want to throw a mistake. He did not want to make just throwing a cement mixer up there in a three, two count and Dusty Baker is all over it. And just like that, we have a tie ball game. Now, what I will say is it makes the work that Torres did to avoid runs in those previous two innings matter even more because, hey, if you gave up a run or gave up two runs, well, now you're looking at a deficit rather than a tie game. And it's just, you know, Torres is able to respond right back. Basically throws like almost three straight sliders just to lock up Rick Monday get his team back in the inning, uh, get his team back in the dugout. One thing, like, Torres has picked up quite a few strikeouts early on in this game, kind of not unlike Burt Hooten. It's just now, okay, it's a 3-3 ball game. Unfortunately for the Dodgers, who just responded and made this a brand new ball game, they're not able to keep the Yankees off the board. Greg Nettles rips a base hit up the middle, Bucky Dent moves him over with an infield single, sort of a ball that gets sort of misplaced there. Mike Torres bunts them over, perfect bunt to set up second and third for Mickey Rivers, who responds after hitting two doubles, basically immediately in the at-bat, hits a ground ball to second base to give them the lead, bring in Greg Nettles, um, and make this a 4-3. to three ball game. In the bottom of the fourth, Mike Torres has finally a 1-2-3 inning, a clean inning, first for both pitchers, right? Fly ball to center, strike out of Tommy John, and then a ground out to short. And that sort of gets Mike Torres back exactly where he wants to be so that he can sort of set things up to be in a much better position. In the top of the fifth, the Yankees are going to be able to add on. With one out, Reggie Jackson, he doesn't pick up his second hit, but he has a four-pitch walk. And then Lou Pinella is able to get a base hit, you know, hits a ball right up the middle. It basically looks like it's ticketed for a 6-4-3 double play or even a 6-3 unassisted double play. But Tommy John sticks his glove up, kicks off his, his glove, no play. 
sets up first and second with Chris Chambliss at the plate. And Chris Chambliss, we've seen time and again in big clutch moments come through for these Yankees. And once again, he's a man that meets the moment. Here's Chris Chambliss, struck out and hit into a double play. Now this is a fellow the Yankees really need a hit from. Strike. It appears that Chris has opened his stance somewhat. Normally quite a severely closed stance. Here now, as he's struggling some, he might have opened just a little. Pulls it sharp. There it is. There it is. Hit. Reggie Jackson will turn at third. Reggie Smith up with the ball. And the throw goes across the third as Reggie Jackson scores. From second base, and the Yankees lead 5-3. to three. So Lou Pinella made the turn at second and get right on going and went in at third base. With one out, Chris Chambliss delivers a single to right and delivers a run. Great swing by Shambliss. He saved two runs earlier in this game, and here he is bringing one home, almost like a net a net three positive uh, if we were going basically on the plus minus there for Chris Shambliss. And that's a really, really key moment, right? Giving that just a little bit of breathing room for Mike Torres. Um, really key for the Yankees adding on there to get a 5-3 lead. And it is important, but Mike Torres once again gets into trouble in the bottom of the fifth. Um, You know, with one out, Reggie Smith ends up drawing a walk towards his third of the game. Ron Say hits another long fly ball, but it's run down by Lou Pinella. Steve Garvey gets an infield single, you know, kind of a, a... a, a chops one to third, just beats it out, bringing up Dusty Baker with two outs yet again, representing the go-ahead run this time. And so what is Mike Torres going to have in store for Dusty Baker? Is he going to learn from that previous at-bat? And did Dusty Baker learn something? Who's going to get the edge here? Well, Mike Torres, having hung a slider before, says, <laughs> You're not getting that. You're getting the sinker on the hands. And here comes Dusty Baker. That was one of those balls that's so hard for the third baseman to play. Look out again. Try to make the judgment. You come in on it, you let it play you. Well, he waited for that second bounce, and by that time, Garvey was there. And with two out and two on, the batter as you said, is Mr. Baker. Two for two, a three-run homer, and a single. Get on the ground, and Nettles goes to second, and they get him. And so Mike Torres escapes as the Dodgers threaten, but can't make through, and it remains Yankees 5-3. Sort of a letdown there for Dusty Baker and the Dodgers, but it's great, great pitching, knowing that Baker is going to want to be aggressive, is going to maybe even, you know, he's going to be looking for that pitch, and that sinker rides in, gets, jams Baker, weakly hits it to third base, and just like that, the Yankees are out of trouble, and still with a two-run lead. Now, 
Tommy John does finish off his day, gets through six innings, actually looks looks the best in his final inning, one, two, three inning, gets two ground outs and a strikeout. Mike Torres, man, he just really, really finds his stride here in the late innings. With one out in the top of the six, allows a base hit to center from Steve Yeager. And that's it, folks. That's the last base runner he allows. The final 11 batters of this inning, and we'll go into it. Just dominant, dominant stuff from Mike Torres. Charlie Huff comes in on the Dodgers side, and the knuckleballer, I mean, he just has them completely fooled. Makes Reggie Jackson look silly, gets some really weak contact, but ultimately doesn't matter. Mike Torres goes to work, pitching up, picking up strikeouts, picking up good defensive plays from his guys. We go to the top of the ninth inning. And actually, you know, Mickey Rivers continues his great game, picks up the first base hit off of Charlie Huff, ends up stealing a bag, getting himself in scoring position. But with two outs and Paul Blair at the plate, who's now in for Reggie Jackson defensively late in this game. Paul Blair, once again, hits the ball really, really hard. Problem is, there's a penguin in the way. Lashes it. That's what you call a major league play. Super. Here's Mickey, Mickey Rivers down there. What's this? He'll say number 10. One step, boom, line drive. You're out. That's a great play. Once again, Blair hit the ball and hit it well. I guess maybe penguins can fly. Uh, well, at the very least, we know they can dive. Uh, great play, great anticipation there from Say, laying out fully as he can to rob Paul Blair of extra bases and the Yankees of another run, keeping this a two-run game heading into the ninth inning. Stranger things have happened for the Dodgers and their pinch-hit crew in these late innings. But Mike Torres, who you, we see earlier in like heading into the ninth inning, he goes there, the camera finds him and he waves and he says, hi mom to his mom, Mary Martinez. I wonder, you know, Mike Torres, his closest teammate on this Yankees team was Reggie Jackson, right? Probably was asking him questions about free agency. They had been traded for each other in the past, but when he was with Baltimore going to Oakland, uh, but I do wonder, with since his mom's last name was Martinez, uh, if Reginald Martinez Jackson uh, was someone he uh, considered a, kind of had a little bit of a brotherhood with. But Mike Torres was a well-respected guy, uh, no matter where he was, uh, especially from his teammates and uh, those big guy, big guys, big strong guys with curly hair uh, and with a little, you know, with sort of the the. Uh, of Latino descent, certainly, certainly some common ground there, but Mike Torres is going to make sure in this ninth inning that nothing is getting to him. 
gets Steve Yeager to ground out on the first pitch. Manny Moda, pinch hit specialist, comes in, looks absolutely foolish, gets locked up on the Torres slider. And then Davey Lopes, the guy who has been that spark plug, a guy you want to keep off the bases. Mike Torres stepping up on the mound has thrown a bunch of pitches in this game, but it doesn't matter. He's at his sharpest right now, and he's going to cap off one of the best games, one of the highlights of his career with this. Mike Torres now will pitch to Davey Lopes. Something that happens in the middle of a ball game or during ball games, Keith, between a pitcher and a catcher, they really get on the same wavelength once in a while, and I'm get, I just have that feeling here tonight that Thurman and Torres have really gotten together. They just work superbly. Torres has understood everything that Thurman wants him to do, and most of the time he's done it. Right. Well, he's challenging the Dodgers here. Tom Lasorda looks on in the dugout on the third base side, and Billy Martin anxious on the first base side. And it's quickly two strikes on Davy Lopes. Well, his heart is pumping. I can tell you that. That's an excited pitcher on the mound. He wants it. Look at that face. He wants it. Whoa! Sermon thought he had. <laughs> you see that? Uh-huh. Mike has had the season high strikeout effort tonight with eight. Got him! Mike Torres goes the distance. And he beats the Dodgers by three. So the Yankees take a two to one game lead in the series. The Yankees come out of all of the controversy and all of the storm and all of the emotional chaos of yesterday, and they win a very, very big one. And on top of that, as we pointed out at the very start of the game, coincidence or not, Mickey Rivers came out of it. He got three hits. He led off the game with a fluke double down the right field foul line. Quickly, the Yankees fed to three runs, and from then on in, Mike Torres took over the dominant victory. Keith. What an outing for Mike Torres. Nine strikeouts to just three walks, only seven hits allowed. He did allow three runs, but it was only on one swing and one inning. Pure dominance from that point, retiring the final 11 batters. Just a great outing from the big right-hander and the guy who... Hey, he's going to be talking about, you know, when he's pitching himself for free agency, right? Hey, look, look what I can do in the postseason. Look what I can do for you. I'm a big game pitcher. Um, And really, right, it's, it's one of my favorite games of this series because it brings out, like, look at the guys who come through in this game. Mickey Rivers, Lou Piniella. Chris Shambliss and Mike Torres. It's this interesting thing about the Yankees, right? Where love it or hate it, they took guys from other teams and made them such instrumental parts of winning, right? Because think about Willie Randolph came from the Pirates. Bucky Dent came from the White Sox. Shambliss and Greg Nettles came from Cleveland, not to mention other teams. Lou Piniella came from Kansas City. Mike Torres from Oakland and Baltimore and all those other things. Like, yeah, the homegrown guys, Thurman Munson, of course, mattered. 
and Ron Guidry matters, but Sparky Lyle even came from Boston. Um, and so that's a kind of fascinating thing about these Yankees. And it was part of the reason many people hated them because they were like, oh, look, look at our play. These were our players and look at them having success elsewhere. Um, we see that time and again with the Yankees and even with the Dodgers now too. Um, but there is something about putting a team together and it's it doesn't just work out like that. You know, you, you can't just buy a victory. You need to have the right pieces put together. And it's helpful to have, you know, sometimes it is the, the big stars. And we know Reggie Jackson is going to make his mark on this series. It's coming. But take a moment to remember a guy like Mike Torres, a guy who grinds it out, right? And that those are the guys you're happy for in those in those World Series, getting to have that moment. Um, and unfortunately for Mike Torres, um, you know, who will still make his mark on this series, right? It's, he's, he's still going to play a major key role um, for the Yankees, right? What Mike Torres is going to be remembered for is what happens the next year against the Yankees when he's with Boston. Keep yours tuned. Uh, we're going to be covering that game. Uh, in the near future, after we get through with 77. But what a moment there, getting home field advantage back, winning on the road. And, you know, that's really the thing that Mike Torres did down the stretch, was a guy who came in and really stabilized things for that Yankees rotation, really, as they went on this crazy second-half run and were on fire, Right. It was because of Reggie Jackson and Greg Nettles and Thurman Munson and Mickey Rivers and Ron Guidry, but don't forget about Mike Torres. He was awesome for these Yankees this year and a big reason, right? You know, as Gullet was hurt and Catfish Hunter was hurt and ineffective and Ken Holtzman was a disaster and who the heck knew what else was going to happen in this rotation. It was Mike Tor Torres who they could turn to and Billy Martin could have trust in. And it was rewarded tonight with an absolutely fabulous performance from the big guy from Texas, from Kansas. Coming up for game four, which is going to be a day game. It's going to be Doug Rao versus Ron Guidry. So two lefties going at it going to be another exciting game out there in la yankees versus dodgers until then catch you next time on fall classic rewind